Welcome to the Your Mom Has a Blog Podcast. I'm Chad Edgington. I'm Melissa Edgington. I was just going to go with my first name. But then you couldn't do it. I'm Chad. I'm Chad. Just like Cher <laughs> yeah. or Madonna. We're not there yet. <laughs> wow, so, you know, whenever we decided to do May Madness, 31 podcasts in 31 days, did you think about doing a Friday night podcast? I didn't, but here we are. On here Friday we are, night. Friday night. The kids are in bed, and uh, we are doing a podcast. Yeah. Cause I enjoy a podcast because it's talking to my wife. I enjoy it too. I like spending time with you. You're my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> you really are. You are. Oh, man. You're the only person on this earth I don't mind sharing a bathroom with. Thanks. It's true. I it's feel true. honored. Yeah. I mean, I just I don't know what made me think about that, but I mean, as far as like closeness, right? When I go a lot of places, I dread bathroom sharing. Yeah. But with you, I'm fine with it. Yeah. Yeah. We're bathroom friends. <laughs> We're sweetmates. <laughs> we don't. Well, wait, that doesn't sound good. We don't go to the bathroom at the same time. We don't have like a couple's toilet in yeah. there or anything. <laughs> that would be weird. <laughs> I wonder if that's a thing. I'm sure it's a thing. I bet it's, I'm sure someone has thought about you that. You know those kissing benches? How it's like... They can um, face each other? It's No, the chaperone bench or whatever? No, you know, it's fixed where you're sitting... I thought they fixed it where you couldn't kiss. One is faced one way yeah, and one's yeah. the other. Like in a hotel lobby every now and then you see one. Yeah. Oh, I thought those were... there were toilets I thought like those, were ben- those were chairs that chaperoned people... It's called a kissing bench. Oh, I didn't know that. I think it puts you in a good position to kiss each oh, other. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Never thought about that. But kissing and toileting don't seem to go together. No. <laughs> that is not good. <laughs> Just even saying those words, I'm wondering, what were you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> I just prayed that God would give me wisdom. Yeah, you're like, help us choose our words. And you're talking about kissing on the toilet. I mean, who's ever even thought about that? That's terrible. That's so bad. Maybe this is why you shouldn't podcast on Friday night. Your brain is scrambled by now. I'm so tired. All I'm saying is if I'm using the toilet and you run in there and give me a smooch, I'll take it. Don't do that. Oh, I will not yeah. do that. Okay. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I will not do that either. Woo, we just there's some there's some what do you like to say? There's some things that should remain private. I think I think that there should be some mystery that some, remains in marriage. Some mystery remaining in marriage. Yes. Yeah. We don't well, need to know everything. When it comes to body <laughs> functions exactly. and such. Yeah. Keep the mystery going, guys. Ladies. Um, I guess guys should do that, but we're not very good at it, are we? No. We're not very mysterious with our bodies. No, you're not. All right. Man. Okay. So tonight our, uh, well, so what, what did you do? What did you do today? Let's, uh, what was your Friday like? You got up early, I think. I went to the elementary school and I worked at the accelerated reader store today so all the kids in the elementary have been reading books and taking little tests over them and earning all these points all year then at the end of the year they can go to the ar store and they can buy all of this stuff with their points Mm -hmm. and it's really fun and and tiring because you have to do a lot of math in your head which you know is difficult for me 
And you have to answer the same questions 3,000 times like this. Uh, what is this? It's bubbles. What is this? It's bubbles. They, they of, had they had little popsicle shaped bubbles. A lot of bubbles. So it was very mysterious to them. Oh yeah, because they. I wonder if the kids eat popsicles still. Is that a thing? Yeah. Kids we, eat well, popsicles. we yeah, we eat them sometimes. We don't. But later, I thought I should have just made a little sign where I printed the word bubbles and put it on oh, there. Oh yeah. Yeah, that would have saved. That would have saved you a lot of work. Yeah. So were there a lot of kids today that were wishing they had read more? I am sure there were. <laughs> yeah. Because there were some pretty, it was kind of like the room was divided, and on one end of the room was the pretty cool big prizes, and on the other end was the, but I mean, yeah. kids are so easy to please. Yeah. They, they a lot of times, they would have like 30 AR points, and they would start over at the one point table where you just get bouncy balls. and. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what were the, what was the big, what was the biggest prize you could get? The biggest prize was the gift cards. Oh, oh, so yeah, okay, that's yeah. that's a thing cash, they basically started cash. a few years ago is you could get gift cards. So Sawyer, you know, Sawyer reads a ton. He had a ton of points. And he ended up getting $40 in gift cards to Amazon. Plus, he got a stuffed llama and a basketball. <laughs> a stuffed llama, a basketball, $40 worth of gift cards. And he'd already burned a bunch of points by going to the jump place right yeah they had a field the trip field, the that cost trampoline the tra- indoor trampoline park is what yeah. it is so he, how many points did he waste there 70 oh that's a lot of points it wasn't a waste though i think he had, had a lot of fun he had yeah. fun so he burned through them though that's a lot of points to spend in just a few hours yeah so what is he going to do with his 40 dollars to amazon.com he's gonna buy lego, lego dimensions. dimensions stuff yeah yeah Lego Dimensions is kind of neat. That's pretty cool. Because you just put a character in and it appears in your game. And then, but it's a, and all these like so you can put like a, I'm trying to even think like you put Spider Man in in Ghostbusters or right, something. It yeah. just mixes every Legos is fun like that. They mix everything up. Right. Everybody wants to be Legoed. So, so you've I, got you've got like he has. Mr. T from the A-Team. Okay, Mr. T. So he's out there fighting the bad guys with Batman and, okay. and um, the guy from Knight Rider. Oh, really? David Hasselhoff's character? What was his name? Michael? Michael. Michael Knight. Michael Knight. Yeah, yeah. Michael Knight. Um, and then you've got Hermione. It's like all these characters are playing together mm-hmm. and fighting the bad guys. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Wow, so Lego Dimensions will be... And it's fun because... When he's playing it, it's interesting. I hear the Ghostbusters music playing or, you know, other cultural references from the 80s. And he doesn't even understand them. Yeah, he has no clue. (laughs) Does he even know what a Ghostbuster is? He still thinks it's cool. Yeah, he just thinks it's cool. He has no idea what all the cultural baggage we have from that. (laughs) From Ghostbusters. So, anyway... Well, uh, I'm trying to think what I did today. I went to work. And I made a postcard for Vacation Bible School. Yeah. So we do the direct mail to every door in Alney. That, is that the cheap way out, you think? Or, or that the easy way out? Because, you know, they used to do it where you would canvas the neighborhood. It's probably more personable that way. To have everybody just walk up and down the street and put door hangers on houses. And I said, you know, we can do this a lot faster. Let's just buy some postcards 
and direct mailed every door for USPS, I guess because email was putting them out of business. It's cheap. Yeah. What do you think? Is that a cop-out? I don't think so. Should churches send postcards? I like postcards. I like those postcards myself. They're glossy. They look good. And you can put it on your fridge and you know exactly when things are happening. That's true. Yeah, so I made those today. And uh, I studied some more. I've been studying on baptism, working through a new member course for our church. And uh, so that that was interesting. And uh, did a few other things. So that brings us, and then I picked weeds in the yard this afternoon. I've been really working hard out there, have you noticed? Yeah. Do you remember, remember about two months ago you picked like two trash bags full of weeds in the front yard? That was not two trash bags full. How many was it? It was four or five. Four or five. Really? Yes, I've worked out there forever. Remember, I couldn't even walk upstairs for yeah, a Yeah, I'm going to say, I, I, you were complaining about the back of your legs. Yeah. My, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the burn. Yeah. The weed burn from the on the back of my legs from bending over. It's rough. And it's weird because you 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 think, oh, there's one, and you 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 target a weed and you pull the weed out, and then it's almost a, once you get that weed out, then there's five more around it that you didn't even see. I know. It's so weird how weedy a yard can get. Yeah. I was out there thinking, what is the spiritual, what's the lesson here? Is that, I think of weeds like sin. Because they they make you want to sin (laughs) when you're pulling them. (laughs) But they're just so, you know, they're, they're just not, they're not as good as grass. Yeah, but... Here, here's here's a real twist on your analogy. Yeah. Is that some weeds are quite beautiful. They have flowers. They look nice. And they kill your grass. What they're doing is they're actually killing the yard. They're making your yard bad. Yeah, because yeah. they cover up the grass and make where the grass can't grow. Yeah. But there, there's one out there to me that looks like an alien. It's a, It sprawls out on the ground. And it's low to the ground. It doesn't even rise up. It's just low to the ground. And you have to grab that thing and twist it around and get it, get it out by the root. And it just just moves out over all the grass. And uh, so I was thinking about that wee, weedy backyard and how, you know, it's it's kind of sometimes like the front yard right now is pretty manageable weed-wise. You can just go out there and pick a few. And, you, and then, you know, you pick a few weeds and it seems like there's no weeds in the yard, which that's... Probably something, you know, if you really care about your yard, you go, you know, you can't do, there's going to be weeds that pop up. But there's kind of something I think would be depressing about some of these yards. I drove by one yard, uh, I was just a little bit ago, and there were, the whole yard was just overgrown with nothing but weeds. Like, and it was tall, and it was just weeds every, everywhere. Weeds, weeds, the whole, just solid weeds. Have you seen some of those yards? Yeah. Can you imagine? You just say, it's too much work. Like, I cannot get rid of those weeds. And then people just mow the weeds. And they can kind of cut the weeds down and kind of make the weeds look acceptable. You think we do that with our sin? Like, it's just, oh, we're so entrenched in our sins that we almost just say, well, let's just, let's just keep the sins, um, 
let's just keep them manicured. Let's keep them cut down. Let's just minimize the sin. Right. Instead of actually doing the hard work of pulling the sin up by the root so that the grass can grow. Yeah. So, so we get set. You think, am, I, am I working the analogy out? This is what I was thinking of when I was out there is that it's so much better <clears throat> to have grass because the, gra- if the grass represented holiness, a spiritual life. It would be so much better to have a yard full of grass. But but you can probably get to where you just say, I'm just content with the weeds and, and kind of, you know, the respectable yeah, the weeds at a respectable level. Yeah. The weeds still look somewhat like grass. They're still green, you know. If they're cut. Yeah. You know, so you're, you're just sort of like managing your sin yeah. instead of getting rid of it and then having beautiful grass, you know, the that... Uh, a spiritual life, you know, instead of a sinful life. Right. Uh, I guess that's walking in the spirit, walking in the flesh. So, I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll flesh that out a little more um, when I'm out there picking weeds. I can think more about the analogy. It's a so, good analogy. Yeah, some, something's there. There's something there. So, let's talk about tonight's 31 for 31. Okay, we're, we're in the middle of... May Madness, so 31 things to teach your kids. We're doing one every day in the month of May. And we're on number four tonight, and we are talking about teaching your kids how to think about money. Money. Cha-ching. Yeah. How do you teach our kids to think about money? I mean, I don't have a, 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 a real plan Whenever I'm teaching our kids to think about money. I think we've always been fairly open with our kids mm-hmm. about money. We don't try to shield it from them if there isn't enough money to do something. No, right, right. We we tell them, well, we can't do that right now or we can't get that right now because there, there's we no spent, money. We had to spend money on other things. Yeah. We we tell the kids how much things cost. You know, Adelaide's about to get braces. We've talked about how much that's going to cost mm-hmm. because she doesn't want to get them. Yeah. And I keep saying, don't look at the person who's about to spend thousands of dollars on your teeth and tell them that you, <laughs> you don't, don't want, want braces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And she, well, you don't you don't have to give them. I'm I'm fine. We'll save the money. You know, but yeah. But I think it's uh, I think it's important for kids to understand how much things cost, you know. So we just did this thing with the uh, with the uh, who was that? Was the, extension the, the county ex- the county extension, extension agent. agent in Texas. We have uh, every county has some agent. Some probably have more than one county that uh, they come out of a, some something to do with the Texas A and M system. Yeah. But they have, you know, it's kind of like your point man on agriculture and all sorts of things related to agriculture, Yeah, they do farming, some cool stuff. Ranching. Anyway, they had this program where it's called a, was it called a real life simulation? Yeah, real life simulation. So they had gathered all these people from the community to go over and pretend like that we worked at the insurance company at the bank or were financial advisors or worked at the grocery store. And the kids had to go around. They had a a sheet where they were figuring up all of their expenses. And they had been assigned a career. And some um, of them had kids and some didn't. And they had to go around and figure out how much they were going to spend on all of these things mm-hmm. that they needed mm-hmm. to live. And so you had some that were aircraft pilots making $6,000 a month. 
and then you had some that were construction workers or uh, you know uh, clergy or whatever they were, and they would make fourteen hundred a month or uh, twenty two hundred a month. So the you know every single one of them had a different. They couldn't copy off each other because they all were starting with a different number. Right. And so you know they uh, they quickly figured out that the way that they were thinking they were going to live wasn't going to work. They truly looked depressed at the end of the thing (laughs) when most of them were ending up with a negative number at the end. And I got to run the most fun thing there, which was called the reality wheel. So they had to come by and spin my wheel. And it was almost all of them were some unexpected hardship like you got in a car accident you got a ticket or Mm, you broke your leg you know it was an extra expense they weren't counting on which Mm -hmm. is so how life really is and um it was just so interesting those kids truly came in there with no clue Mm -hmm. how much things cost right they they were surprised and i and i thought you know i was looking at it and thinking that's kind of high you know, some of the things seemed high to me. Some seemed low. The insur- the health insurance seemed really low. Yeah. But there were there were supposed to be 25-year-olds. That was like the, they were pretending they were single 25-year-olds who are financially independent. Maybe their insurance is low because they're mostly healthy. But it was interesting to help them as the, I was a financial advisor. And they would come and they would say, well, I don't understand what you're supposed to do. You, if you only make this much money... Um, you know, I, I'm going to have to take the bus. I'm going to have to, So they were all living at home and taking the bus to wind up with not having a negative income or getting a roommate. Mm-hmm. And and what I would say at the end, I, I didn't get a chance to address them, but I did. I talked with the bank, uh, one of the uh, managers at the bank that organized it, and I said, you know, it's interesting how we all sort of made it. Because our parents were helping us, because, you know, um, God was providing for us. Just, you know, we, just things kind of worked out. For mm-hmm. most people I know, they had a place to live. They had a car, you know. But I think what that simulation really taught those kids was that you really can't make any bad choices. Like that everything is very, very... Um, um, fragile, like your financial status is pretty mm-hmm. fragile. Yeah. When when your income's low, I would say you know, for most Americans that I know, the financial situation is very fragile. So you can't just go out and say, you know what, I've always wanted a uh, sixty thousand dollars sports car. I think I'm just going to go buy one. You know it, that that if that if they had decided to do that in their budget. They would real. They realize very quickly that would be a bad decision, because then I wouldn't have enough money for groceries. I wouldn't be able to afford the insurance. You know, they they realize because the, if they went to the car station first, the smart ones went to the home station first, but the ones that went to the car were like, yeah, I want an SUV, and then they realized they could not afford. Uh, and they as, went back and got a bicycle. They went back and got a bike. <laughs> when it was over, like I can do. In the real world, they would not want to ride a bike everywhere. Yeah. And I was in the ones that had kids had to have public transportation at least. Yeah. They had to ride the bus, and that was still sixty bucks a month. So, I think you teach kids that that maybe in you you walk them through decisions you're making. Why we don't need to go on the, vac- the vacation to Disney World 
now. But we can wait and we can save up. We just haven't planned ahead enough to save the money. Mm-hmm. That sort of a thing. Um, all, the Dave Ramsey stuff has taught taught me a lot over the years. When we lived in Nashville, Dave Ramsey was originating his show out of Nashville. So this was 20-something years ago. And I remember listening to him, and I'd never heard anything about budgeting. I'd never heard anything about saving money and not using credit cards. That That just seemed like, well, I have these credit cards in my pocket. You know, why can't I use them? Why shouldn't I use them? And, and just kind of his philosophies, if you've never kind of been through there, is, you know, this, the borrower is a slave to the lender. So don't use your income to build security and wealth where you don't need to rely on a credit card because you have the money saved. That's really hard to do. Mm-hmm. It's hard to do uh, for, for most of us that, you know, we don't have just a ton of uh, disposable income and I'm saying that about most people that I, you know that I know that would say maybe they're middle class people you you've just got to be very careful and so I think if you teach your kids about making responsible decisions and that they can see that that you're not just spending money like it's growing on a tree that you're thinking about a budget and I've showed Adelaide's 13 I've showed her here's how much we spend on here's how much I make and here's how much we spend on things and I guess the pushback that someone would say, well, I don't know that you should have, you know, if you're stressed out about finances, should you make your kids stressed out about them? You know? Well, I think that I think that in the times that we talk to our kids about, hey, we can't do that right now because we've got money. Or, I mean, we, we don't have, have the money. money. Or um, they hear us talking about something, and then um, it's usually Sawyer who will say, are we poor, you know, or something like that. And, <laughs> and we'll then we're say, always like, no, we're rich, and actually. And we'll say, we have plenty of money. Yeah, yeah. It's just that we don't have money that we want to spend on that right now. Right. Um, and, you know, our kids are, they're used to going in stores and not buying anything, you yeah. know, for them. You know, they're used to, they don't expect to go into a store and get new shoes mm-hmm. or to get clothes or anything unless we're there specifically for that purpose because we have a need for it. Right. Um, but, you know, the other thing I think is it's important to teach our kids about giving money and about um, the blessings that come from giving money. I mean, I'm talking about miraculous kind of blessings, I believe, mm-hmm. from being faithful and tithing mm-hmm. to the church. I believe that um, you, I mean, we have never not been taken care of. Wait a minute. Ever. Stop. Stop. Hold the presses. You're making a great point, but you just used the T word. Tithing? You said it. You said the T word. <laughs> and somebody listening just bristled up. <laughs> said, I cannot believe Melissa Edgington, your mom has a blog, just used the T word. <laughs> she said tithe. Does she not understand the New Testament teaching on giving? All right. Let me break this down because I'm the pastor of this home, y'all. <laughs> you got a problem with that? I am graciously serving my wife as the pastor of this home. <laughs> and she is graciously submitting to my servant leadership. <laughs> We're joking, but it's really true. We have a, we have a, we have a good relationship on that, right? Um, yeah. So 
I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just being silly. I'm not making fun of servant leadership. We're, he we're is, all in um, Ephesians five. He is dancing all around a word that I hate that um, people use all the time. And what the year my help me? <laughs> when people this say is help my, me, Melissa's my help mate. <laughs> Thank you for being such a good help mate. When people say help me, a child and I always just look at each other because he knows what I'm thinking. <laughs> I hate the word help me. One of my favorite things, though, is whenever we're listening to someone preach or talk, and they'll say something, and, and I just really want to look at you and be like, oh, did you, you just said that? Can you believe he just said that? He said that thing that we can't stand, or whatever it is. Oh. It happened recently, but I can't remember what it was, where we were... Where later on, you're like like hours later, we were like, oh, he said the thing, he said the thing, we, you know, whatever it is. We have we have that. we have some little hang. I don't remember what it was. Do you remember what it was? We we have some little hang ups like that where we just think things are funny, like help meet or things that people will say. You know, that kind it of was it was. We were listening to a pastor who had used the complete wrong word that sort of simil- sounded similar to the word he was thinking of, and I was trying not to look at you. And then so I looked at you like five minutes later, and you were it was still like you were. He just said the thing. <laughs> you were sitting there looking at me, still waiting for me to look. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, well, we all, we all I hate the word like "help meet." Just so you know. Does it? But sometimes they say "help mate." Yeah. A help, but a help meet. I don't. I don't even know. It sounds like that's just some ridiculous word from the word. King James. The help meet. Yeah. The help and, meet. And people who otherwise have extremely modern language will say the word "help meet." I don't get it. <laughs> oh man, Christians, yeah. we're so weird. <laughs> it's it's maybe it's fun to say "help meet." I'm, I've said it about five times now, and it's fun. It's not. Fun. It's not fun. No. Okay. Okay. So what are you saying, Pastor? Uh, uh, pastor, a uh, preacher, preacher, uh, preacher. What do you think, a uh, preacher? What do you think about tithing? Why don't you tell us what you think about tithing, preacher? Do I? Are you saying that I have to tithe? No, I'm saying you get to tithe. And what I what I mean by that when I say tithing, all right, we understand the tithe. We can make an argument that Abraham, before there was a law, paid a tithe to Melchizedek. So there's a, there is a precedent for paying a tithe that is, that predates the law, okay? But uh, so so you know that that's a good kind of standard or guide for giving that you keep ninety percent and you are going to give a portion to God. So I I think of the tithe as a, as a godly biblical guide for giving. We mm-hmm. see the tithe showing up, uh, but the tithe, um, you know. You you are not specifically commanded in the New Testament to give the tithe. Uh, you're commanded in the New Testament to give your whole life. You know, yeah. That 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 you are supposed to be to offer yourself as a living sacrifice. So basically, it's Christianity is a hundred percent. It's everything. Everything is is sacrificed. Everything's on the altar, not just ten percent. But the whole enchilada. All right. All right. So I've found that if you kind of approach it from that way, people are happy to say, well, I, what, what, what were we talking about earlier, that 90-10 thing? That, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> yeah. But I think, I think that that's a good guide. So I'd say, you know, that's 
if, if you're wondering, well, well, how much am I supposed to give? I mean, you, you sometimes hear a sermon and you think, well, I should just sell everything I have. Right. But a good biblical guide is that, is that everything is the Lord's. You give him everything. He lets you manage 90% of it. You need to and, organize. And you give 10% to, you know, 10% to him to the church. Right. And we're going to talk um, about church attendance later on in one of our one of our podcasts this month, but I just have to interject here that taking your kids to church is one of the most I can't think of a better way to expose them to the concept that other people have needs that we can help meet. Yeah. And, and you can't meet those for free. It costs right. the church. It costs us something to meet, to pay salaries. I mean, I know I draw salary from the church, but to pay for the lights, for the salary, for people that come in, with, they need gasoline, they need medical treatment, they need their house fixed, they need whatever it is. They need help adopting a baby or providing for a foster kid. And, and that, the way that that's done is through the, through the people giving. And as they're giving to the Lord, that's how the Lord is has chosen to meet these right. needs. I wrote a blog post um, about a year or so ago about a night that we had a an African missionary, I mean, an African pastor in our church who was presenting um, a thing about a children's home that he runs. And our kids were there, you know, and we're watching the presentation. And, of course, we help support this children's home. Our church does. And Sawyer was sitting there listening to that, and he became so convicted by the Holy Spirit that he needed to give his birthday money to this children's home. He had he had been saving his birthday money, and um, he ended up giving it away. But I remember that. I mean, I will never forget that moment mm. when he ran up to me as soon as that was over and said, I want to give my money to him, to this pastor. It was just such a crystal clear moment to me. Of, I was thinking, all of the kids who, who aren't in church, who don't get opportunities like this, mm. where God can move in their hearts and teach them, there are things that you can do, even at your age, where you are making a huge difference in the world and in eternity mm-hmm. by just giving what you have, even if it's not very much. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was kind of a really big moment in Sawyer's life, you know, that he realized, I have this thing. These, this, this amount of money will feed and educate this kid for a month, mm-hmm. this kid in Africa. Yeah. And he learned the joy in giving, too. Yeah. So it was a, jo- it was a joyous thing. So, you know, it's, uh, so as, as we're about to move on from the T word, God loves a cheerful giver. Each one should determine in his own heart what he should give. And so when you think about the blessings that you have in Christ and you think about, um, you know, the tremendous uh, love that God has shown you and you think about giving to the Lord um, and helping support the, the mission and the ministry of your local church, you decide on a number there based on what you can what you can give how much you can sacrifice and it should hurt a little bit and i think um you know that that 10% is a good guide but you can certainly give way more and i think you and know if you have to give less you can give less cuz some people are the, some people are there that is just 
So there's no, there's no, it's not legalistic. I'm not trying to pr- push a legalistic idea on you, but you said the word. We do tithe. We give a tithe and an offering every time we give. So we give the tithe and then more. And, uh, and that's based upon a conviction, not a compulsion. Right. And I think it's important to note that we need to teach our children that we give to God first off the top. Yeah, first fruits. We don't wait and see what we have left over and then give that. There's a really sweet lady in our church who showed me, actually gave me these little things that she'd used with her kids. She had taken three little tin piggy bank type things, and she had put little labels on them. And one said... Um, one said tithe, and one said save, and then she had just a plain one, and they were giving their kids some kind of allowance. This was many mm-hmm. years ago. Our kids are grown. But um, they had taught their kids, every time you get this allowance, so much goes in the tithe, and so much goes in the savings, and then mm. what you have left is what you have to spend. Yeah. And I thought that was so clever, you know, just to right off the bat, to put it in your kid's head. The money you get, not all of it is money that you can just go below. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And we, at, at our Wednesday night program, we have an offering that we do every year. And it is amazing what those kids can come up with. <laughs> yeah. Um, for our offerings that we give to different causes every every year. But those kids really get into the idea of bringing their offering. Of course, we have yeah. a big prize at the end for the team that brings the most offering. But um, they will, it makes them think about it, you know. Before they come, they're going to their parents and saying, hey, can I have a little little money to take to the church? It's good to just get them in the habit of, Hey, when we come to church, we bring a little offering, you know, mm-hmm. bring something to put in the plate, bring something to give back to the Lord because and they, we've been and they so blessed. Like, they like to give it. Yeah. You know, and I had a moment last year around that team kid offering that really, um, I don't say it convicted me or taught me something, but I was, you know, the, what happens at the end of the year, well, because it there's a little prize involved or kind of a competition. So the teachers get into it or the parents get into it. Right. So they're yeah. going to, they're going to start giving, but they don't want to walk up there and put, you know, a big, a big bill into the, into the, the trash can collection buckets. <laughs> so they'll, they'll hand a kid, you know, a hundred dollars or something. They'll hand them a bunch of money. And that kid just takes that, that hundred dollars from their dad or from their teacher, whoever it is, they'll take that money. And as soon as they get it, they just take it and go put it in the bucket. Yeah. They don't even think about the fact, Ooh, 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 I've got a hundred dollars. I got a hundred dollars in my hands. They don't, they've, they've never held that much money in their life. Yeah. And, and but they're like, Oh, I'm going to get, I'm going to give this. They're excited to give it. Yeah. And you think, how can they, how can they, ha- they never ever see that much money. How can they get it and then put it in the bucket? Um, I think that there's a, the, the first they know that that's not their money. And see, we sometimes don't feel that way about the things that we have. We don't think this is from God. Right. So they know that's, you know, th- th- that's from my father. Well, everything we're receiving is from our heavenly father. And what they know 
is there's a lot more hundred dollar bills where that one came from. Mm. Like when they get that, they don't they don't think this is it. Yeah. They they think well you know there'll be more there'll be more. Yeah. And so they can they can give because they trust that there's they trust and know that there's more. How much more should we know that there's more in our heavenly Father's account? Right. You know for to ble- to bless us with. Uh, all sorts of blessings. And so that's kind of, I guess we can wrap it up. We've already gone for 36 minutes. But um, <clears throat> what I've been thinking about since I mentioned we'd gone to the little ministers, uh, the ministers association on uh, Tuesday, and, and really, you know, uh, there was a pastor there that shared some really wise words uh, with those pastors that were gathered. And he was talking about. He was talking about sanctification, and I might have already shared this little Tuesday. He was talking about sanctification, saying, you know, some people, God has to call into the ministry to sanctify them. Mm. And, I, and I took that in a couple of ways. Like, I, For one, I would t- say I, I really, I've kind of always n- sensed a calling, uh, even since I was very young, maybe didn't want there to be a calling at at some points. Uh, I don't know, but I, you know, I'm, I wound up here, <laughs> right? And so I have to believe that's God's that was God's will. You know, I believe it's God's will for me to be a pastor. And and I and then when he said that, I thought, well, maybe that's true. Maybe that was God's plan. To, that there's, he said there's some men that God has to call into the ministry to sanctify, meaning that what God's aim with all of us is and what our aim should be in teaching our kids about money, especially, because that's really where the rubber hits the road, I think, for a lot of us, that particular issue. Uh, God's aim is for us to be utterly dependent upon him. Mm. You know, that... Think of our salvation. I was sharing the gospel with those those girls that have made professions of faith in our church uh, Wednesday night, and was saying, "Now listen, you you've got you. We're only trusting in what Christ has done." You know, I'm explaining the gospel to them, and they're, you know, they they have come and say, "I believe this," and I'm working off them saying that they want to they want to believe. I read just a second ago something Spurgeon said. He said, "If there is that spark within you that desires Christ." realize that spark came from his forest fire. <laughs> That's how right. much he wants you. Uh, if you. If you have a desire for Christ, he's got 10 times a greater desire for you. Right. You know, the reason you're, you're, you're on fire right now is because his fire is greater. Uh, we love because he first loved us. But, um, you know, and I was trying to explain to them, uh, if you jumped out of an airplane, you would need a parachute, and you would have to pull that cord and trust that parachute. You're tr- trusting. I use the old chair analogy. I mean, I bust them all out trying to get them to understand that when what we're saying the gospel is is that we are utterly dependent upon Jesus for our salvation. Truth is, we, we sh- in our sanctification process, Jesus was utterly dependent upon the Father. Whatever you see me doing, you, you know, it's the Father. I, I don't do anything without the Father. Jesus modeled for us utter dependence upon the Father. And as we become more like Christ, that's what we're supposed to be, is utterly dependent upon Jesus. And so, you know, when you when you come to the money 
and your kids, you talk, you're talking about it. You know, are we poor? Are we broke? That you know, we say no. We we have plenty because we're utterly dependent upon a good father who always meets our needs, and so we don't have to worry about that. Everything's under control. So I was I was kind of going back to that idea of what that objection is. I don't want my kids to worry about money. Well, um, we we're actually not supposed to worry about anything. You know, we we have concerns over money, but in, in thinking of that utter dependence upon. Jesus, you know, and, and say minister, sometimes a minister is called into the ministry because that's part of his sanctification is that that whole job is something that you actually can't do. So you, you, you have a job as a pastor, but it's a job that you are unable to, you know, most people have a job. Okay. You're going to take these groceries, you're going to put them in bags and take them out of their car. You can do that. But so when they say, okay, you're the pastor of a church. Uh, your job is to make disciples and to teach people to obey Jesus and to uh, baptize them and to help the poor and all the, all of these things, uh, if they are done by faith, are things that you cannot do. You cannot make someone a Christian. Only God can make them a Christian. So you're called to a job to do a task that you utterly need the Holy Spirit to accomplish all the things that you're supposed to do in your job. You can't do them. That is a frustrating job if you try to do it in your own strength. Does that make sense? Yeah. How And how does that tie back in with the, the giving or the thinking about money? Is that I think what we're trying to teach our kids, especially in the finance, I'm saying that's a real, that's a very, um, the finances is a very practical way for you every moment to show the kids that we're depending upon God, right. that whatever we're receiving here is because he's given it to us. I've been praying when I get in my car now, I ask us, how can I, Lord, how can I depend upon you to get me from here to the garage? When I come in, Father, how can I be dependent upon you to help me love my kids? How, how, when I get to work, how can I get from the parking lot to my office depending upon you? Like, how can every moment... Be utterly dependent. Even yeah. So when I put my check card in here, how can I acknowledge, even right now, buying uh, some chicken and a Diet Coke, how can I be, how can I th- think I only have this because of, because God's given it to me, because right. I'm utterly dependent upon it. And I know I'm, I've got my responsibilities. I've got to do uh, I've got to go to work every day. I've got to get up and, and I've got to make good decisions um, with the renewed mind with the whole, and, and, and obey the scripture and walk uh, according to the spirit. You know, I'm not saying that I just uh, wait for God to move one of my legs. I mean, I, it's that sort of that mystery that we have where we're, we're, we're obeying and we're doing and we're, we're, you know, living our life, but at the same time recognizing that every breath that you take and you get air instead of something that kills you is because of God's goodness and you're even dependent upon him to provide a planet where you can live. I mean, everything is dependent upon him. And then, so you say, well, then you know, where does that, how does, how does that, inva- how does that thought invade practically every area of life? It is in the finances of teaching the kids. We're not going to worry. I tell you, Jesus says, don't worry about your life what you eat or you drink or your body and what you'll wear, which those are the things we tend to spend, 
spend the most money on, right? Yeah. You know, don't don't worry about your life. Uh, is not is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air; they don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. You're more valuable than they are. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? Look at the lilies; they don't labor or spin, yet. I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? That's what the pagans do. They run after all these things. And I've always loved this. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Our Heavenly Father knows what our needs are. And then the greatest hit of Matthew chapter 6. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So we seek, we seek first the kingdom. And I think that is... Seeking the kingdom is seeking the king. It's acknowledging his lordship. It's acknowledging who he is. And then, you know, as the the same fellow that we were listening to Tuesday said, you know, uh, God's concerned about the man, not the ministry. God works on the man, and then the ministry follows. And I thought, God, work on me. Help me to seek your kingdom and not to seek pleasing men and not to seek building my own kingdom. Help me just to go after your kingdom and then all the rest takes care of itself. Same with the money. If you if you determine in your family that you're going to honor the Lord with your money, and I would say a great place to start in that is by having a a, a budget that includes, you know, a, 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 cheer, a cheerful gift to the Lord, and you're going to be responsible with what God's given you, then I think you'll 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 see you can trust that if you'll be a good steward of your money, it's to, and you'll get that under control. But you can do that to the glory of God and see how just taking care of what he's given you really does wind up, seemingly winds up that you, it, it gets easier. Right. Any final thoughts? Good stuff. That's all really good. Yeah. So I kind of felt like preaching there. I'm sorry I was preaching on Friday night. <laughs> That's okay. It was good stuff. <laughs> that was like a whole sermon probably, wasn't it? Yeah. We're, oh, man. Let's, we need to wrap it up. Yeah. Let's wrap this up. Hey, you guys are so good. For uh, this one will probably get like three hits. People just, you know, we'll put it, we'll put it up right now and see if anybody uh, takes the bait on Friday night. Who knows? Maybe you're out there lonely. Well, you can always listen to it later. <laughs> That's right. All we'll right. See well, y'all later. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.